Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, September 23rd, 2018. The share ID numbers for Friday, September 21st are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 11943. Again, that's 11943. And the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 11945. Again, that's 11945. This morning, A Vision for You presents the 12 Steps to Happy Destiny. The 12 Steps serve a specific purpose. According to Bill Wilson, the 12 Steps are a group of principles, spiritual in their nature, which, if practiced as a way of life, can expel the obsession to drink and enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole. In other words, the 12 steps can keep us, as compulsive overeaters, abstinent and happy. The 12 steps are introduced in Chapter 5 of the AA Big Book with these words, quote, Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. End of quote. Our path is the 12 steps. They are the heart of recovery upon which we trudge. We trudge the road of happy destiny. To work the program is to work the 12 steps. To live the program is to live the 12 steps. Joining us this morning is Robin P., a recovered compulsive overeater from California. Robin is dedicated to our way of life and has experienced a profound transformation as a result of her spiritual awakening. And Robin's here to share her inspiring story with all of us today. Good morning. Welcome, Robin P. Good morning. Thanks, Leah. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to be sharing this morning. Um, Thank you I'm in, for your service, Robin. Oh, I'm so grateful. So I'm Robin P., uh, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater um, in Los Angeles here at 530 in the morning, which I woke up at 3 this morning. I was so excited about this. So, And I've taken some notes, but I'm not usually, when I qualify, I don't usually share with notes, so I'll just see how that works. Um, I just wanted to share, first of all, um, I pray that, what I share is a blessing to people and helpful to you and your recoveries. Um, I'm going to share what it was like, what happened, and what it's like today for me. So like a lot of us, I grew up in a lot of child abuse, and uh, food was my protector and my denial system that said everything's going to be okay. You know, I, I, I was abused uh, physically and sexually and in every way, and had a very rough childhood, one of those traumatic childhoods. And I would always think, well, you know, if I'm good enough, I get to have this. And, you know, and and if I was special enough, it's okay because I get to have this. And the food was my hero and was my go-to for everything. I grew up in an atheist home, and my dad was a very proud, is a very proud atheist, and... um you know, the only higher power I could find was food. Um, my parents got divorced when I was young, and we moved. And every time we moved, 
I I felt like I grew up with that victim mentality. I would I was abused at home. I'd go I was I'm very short. I'm five foot, and I was even shorter then. And I would go to school and I would get beat up. And every time we moved, I was the new kid, and I was small. And I was really smart. And I would and I'm very much of a creative. And so I would go, and um you know the teacher would give vocabulary words and I would come up with a story and I just loved being creative and the other kids did not like that and so they would follow me home and beat me up and then I would get beat up at home and it was I just had this victim on the on the top of my forehead you know and I felt really really afraid and I felt every time that I ate something I would just get to feel safe and so I wasn't heavy as a kid. I was really active, but I was definitely a sugar addict, and I was definitely a carb addict. And it was just, you know, everything was about, well, it's okay because I get to go have this, and it's okay because I get to go have that. And it became my my denial system that everything would be okay. And it just kept getting worse and worse. Every time we moved, my mom would remarry uh, the same man with a different name, over and over again, um, you know, a, either a sex addict, rageaholic, you know, or a alcoholic, rageaholic, you know, and she just kept marrying that same kind of profile, and, and the kids got affected. Um, it's really a family disease. Um, I, I moved with my dad and my stepmom uh, in 10th grade, and which was, you know, he had... I came out of the womb singing. I have this huge singing voice. God's blessed me with a lot of gifts and a lot of challenges. And um, so they used to call me SSBB, Supersonic Boom Boudreaux. My last, my maiden name was that. And then um, because I would drown out all the choirs. And so I would, my dad said, oh, just come. He conducts an orchestra. And so he said, just come live with me and we'll, you can have singing, acting, dancing lessons. And I said, great. And I moved there, and he lives on this uh, big mountaintop uh, when he's not traveling with the orchestra. He just retired this year. And um, and so I ended up cleaning stalls and coops on his farm and taking care of his kids and feeling really disappointed and not knowing how to deal with all the rage and things that were going on at home. And I just uh, started using food more and more. And I moved with my mom for the summer, and um, right after 10th grade, and she was so furious that I had moved with my dad that she kicked me out of the house and I didn't have any place to live. And so I went and I was a nanny. Um, so I went and lived at the nannies. And I started one night, I overate and I felt really uncomfortable. And I thought, I know I'll be so brilliant. I will go and throw this up and then it won't count then I can literally have my food and eat it too. And um, that's what I did. And I thought, I am so smart. Wow, that's smart. Good job, you know. <laughs> and I think that we use things until they use us. You know, um, it's just not God's will for me to do that, obviously. And it just started taking over. And more and more, you know, it's such a disease of the mental obsession combined with the physical allergy. And I started living for, 
you know, any money I could find or get and just going and binging and vomiting and just, it took over and it was Russian roulette. If I started, I would, that was my day's activity, you know, and just gone. And I was really getting skinny and I felt really proud of myself about that. And I was so numb and literally any time a feeling came up, the food came up. And it was, I was so terrified of my feelings. It just, they were growing more and more and I had no way to deal with them and I had no higher power and I had no help. And it, it's such a disease of isolation. And I was so isolated in fear and resentment and terror and just not knowing how to cope. Um, I moved, um, I went back after the summer to be with my dad again and um, I was so miserable at the school that I was at that I went and lived with my grandparents. And um, because the school that I was at was a little school, a little farm town school in Pennsylvania, and I had lived in New York City and the suburbs of New York City. And I'm, even though I was atheist, I was Jewish. And the kids there found out I was Jewish and started. Um, heckling me and saying how come you don't have green horns and you know where are your horns and feeling my head and you know just all this stuff so I went to the school in western Pennsylvania right outside Pittsburgh with my grandparents and my grandfather uh, it's my stepmother's parents and my grandfather um, he had a pacemaker and one night uh, when he was um raking some leaves, he, he passed away. And then two weeks later, my grandmother died um, because she couldn't live without him. She got a stroke. And um, I thought, oh, my gosh, it must be me. You know, um, everywhere I go, I get abused. And then I just came here, these really nice people, and they died. And I thought, that it's just me. You know, and um, it, for a long time, I thought it was me. And it turned out it was nothing to do with me, you know, uh, obviously. <laughs> Um, you know, my grandmother had kept saying how grateful she was I was there and how much it meant to both of them. And my grandfather had said that, too, and that I brought a lot of light to them. Even though I had an addiction, I still had love, just like all of us, you know. And um, But it's just funny, the shame thing that comes up and tells you things that isn't true. Left to our own devices, the result is nil. So I just um, started using food more and more. And I remember one time my stepmom was making a dessert, and she always left the bowl for me to lick. And one day she forgot, and she put it in the sink with water, and I screamed, no, like someone had been murdered. And she looked at me, what is the matter with you? And I thought, I don't know, but I just know I can't live without food right now. And so that was my solution because I didn't have a God in my life and I didn't have a program. I didn't even know there was such a thing as a program. And I felt so desperate. And I just remember feeling so desperate for a solution and thinking maybe a guy would save me. You know, what's going to save me? And um, I went to college and um, I, I was so bulimic and I just hid in the food. I was scared of everybody. You know, I love the promises. And, um, you know, fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. I was ruled by those things. I was so afraid of people. And I just, you know, and I would look 
you know, I had bravado, and I, um, but I just felt terrified, and I, I just hid in the food and missed having relationships with people, missed being with people, and just, you know, got through. And I actually was doing theater, and I went to NYU, and um, I, I got 12-stepped into the program uh, by God's grace and mercy by somebody in my dorm who thought I was the only one. It's such a disease of denial. You know, you think, like, I thought I was the only one, you know, like, oh, wow, I just have a really fast metabolism. That's what I would tell people. And they would look at me like, you can't have that fast of metabolism. And I would think, yes, I do. And I was the only one who believed me. I was in so much denial. And when I went to Moravian Church, this old church on 30th Street um, in New York City in 1980 or 79, um, and I saw God on the walls, and I went, oh, no, these people just substituted one crutch for another. Oh, no, I need this so much. I'm so disappointed. How can they have God all over the walls? And I left, and I was just brokenhearted, and my friend said, how about going back and just believe in any power greater than your addiction? It can be anything. It can be the group. Just any power that's greater than your mental obsession and your physical allergy. And I was so desperate. I had that gift of desperation, which is the saving grace, I believe, for this program. And I went back and I started working the program. I got a sponsor and worked the steps. And um, my first fourth step was, you know, a book, you know. And my sponsor was pregnant at the time she fell asleep when I was doing my fifth step. And I thought, this is not as important as I thought it was. And um, I uh, I started, I, I got cast in my first Broadway show. And I was, uh, I got cast as the sister of a very famous pop star in um, the Pirates of Penzance and on Broadway. And so we uh, we would go to lunch at these very famous restaurants she and I, we became really good friends, and I toured with her actually afterwards. And I would bring my cups and my scale to these fancy restaurants, and she would look at me in horror. And I just thought, well, this is what I'm doing, you know. And um, But I, I maintained um, feeling great about myself and being abstinent. And then I got obsessed with someone in the show. We were dating um, one of the, the stars of the show, and... Um, I, he became my higher power and changing addictions is like changing rooms from the Titanic. You're still in the stateroom. You're still going down. And that's what I did. And I tried going to Al-Anon, uh, and I would look at these people. I had so much denial and I would say, oh, you guys just aren't tenacious enough. You know, I'm so tenacious. I can fix this. You guys just don't have a special relationship like I do. I can fix this. Oh my gosh. You know, what I've learned in this program is there's my business, there's God's business, and there's none of my business. And what's none of my business is everyone else. I am powerless over other people. And I was just in it for fixing and saving, and we are going to go right off in the sunset, and he was going to save me because I was saving him. Oh, my gosh. So um, <laughs> God bless us. And um, so one night after a late night with him, I came back, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the slip with the food is the last step of the slip. And all of a sudden, I was 
in the food, and I had no idea how I got there. I just hadn't been working the steps in every area of my life. And I hadn't been, I didn't know about staying in 10, 11, and 12. For whatever reason at that time, no one had mentioned that, and I didn't have the tools. And I still was in the disease of the mental obsession and then kicked in the physical allergy again. And I felt so much shame. You know, shame has been a trigger for me um, as a kid. I had so much shame. You know, the kid, a lot of times kids take on the, the shame of the abuse, and I definitely did that. And so I felt so much shame and um, that I couldn't get back on gray sheet. You know, that was what it was called. And I, I just couldn't get abstinent again. And I, I tried and I tried and I felt so much pride and so much shame and so much humiliation. And I, I just didn't know what to do. And so I, I just, um, you know, I would just try at different times and nothing worked. Uh, just, I felt just desperate. I would just go to meetings after a binge and just feel horrible and just sit there going, how did this happen? How do I get back? And I believe it's so much easier to stay abstinent than it is to get abstinent. And I, I'm so grateful for my abstinence today. Um, so uh, I went on the road. I got cast in a, in a, in a show, actually, um, about – so I was a Jewish atheist co-starring in a biblical musical in uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technical Dreamcoat. And um, I had a spiritual awakening on the road. Uh, one day we had two days off, which never happens in a Broadway tour. And uh, we were in Arizona, and someone said, oh, go to Sedona. It's this really spiritual place. And this was in 1984 before it became, like, the cool place to go. And I went there, and I found myself getting on my knees. And I said, dear God... If you exist, please show me your will and help me to do it. And I promise you this is what happened. I stood up, and a man drove up in a small truck, and he rolled down his window, and he said, Hi, have you ever heard about Jesus Christ? And I went, What? And I said, I think you have the wrong person. Um, I just did pray, but I, if I'm going to believe in anything, I'm Jewish. And um, he just said, I promise you that God loves you and he wants the best for you. And this is not a religious program. This is a spiritual program. But this was my experience. And for the next couple, of, and he just said, I promise you that God loves you and he wants the best for you. And I said, in my house, it looked like if there was a God and there was a Satan, it looked like Satan always won. And the scariest, most violent person always won in my childhood. And I have a very hard time believing in a God. And he looked at me and he said, you know, God loves your father and your stepfather and your mother just as much as he loves you. And you get to break the chain. And you get to, you know, be released from all that. And for the next couple of days, I just prayed and said, okay, God, show me your will. And I usually don't tell this part of the story. I'm going to go ahead and tell it. And I was up on the rock formations. I got down on my knees. And some of us have the profound um, spiritual awakenings of the profound variety, like it says in the book, in the big book. And I had that. So uh, I got, I jumped down on my knees. At one point, I just said, oh, dear God, please help me. Because I knew, 
I knew I had everything. I had fancy hotel rooms. I had, I was the star. I had rave reviews. I had everything that should have made me happy. I had a great salary. And I was still, if everything that I had should have filled me up, it didn't. I was still fearful. And I still got resentments. And I still felt like a a ball of self-centered fear. I, I, I had the accolades, but they didn't feel, fill that God-shaped hole. And it should have, I thought, and it didn't. And so I got on my knees and I said, Dear God, if you exist, please show me your will and help me to do it. And something squirmed underneath me. And I saw that I landed on a salamander. Like I knelt down on a salamander and I killed it. And I heard this voice. It was this voice saying, your only sin is fear. You're so afraid of getting hurt that you hurt everything in your path. And not only don't you win a prize for doing it alone, but it doesn't work. And I felt so freaked out. I felt like I'd been to another planet. I didn't know what was going on. I went, I just went to the grocery store not to binge or anything. I just went up and down. This had been my God. And I walked up and down the aisle, and I felt so out of this planet. And I just went, oh, okay, salad, carrots. I know where I am, planet Earth. Like, I was, like, literally so freaked out. And I went back to the hotel where I had been staying, and I was about to go join the cast um, in New Orleans, actually, for Mardi Gras, which was the opposite of what I'd just been at. We were happening to be performing at that time there, and um, he, I was about to get on the plane, so he drove me to the airport, to Phoenix, out of the ashes, and he looked at me, he goes, you look really different, and I said, yeah, I had this really weird experience about God, and he said, well, I very much believe in God, do you want to say a prayer with me, and we said a prayer at the Phoenix airport uh, together, and I got on the plane, I sat next to this man who's very spiritual and he started answering all these questions about me someone had been praying for me in the cast and we started a bible study together and um it just like all this spiritual growth and then the show closed unexpectedly and all this like I felt like all these bombs went off in my life and you know that's the thing that I get to keep growing up or I grow out you know I just get to keep growing up spiritually and so that was the thing I got to go home Uh, the show closed, and get connected and try to get abstinent again. And um, I ended up going on the road again uh, with another show and and, and then another show. I just kept getting cast in these Broadway national tours, which sometimes were great and sometimes were very painful, depending on my state and the, and the, the group. I went to meetings on the road, and I was really focused on my abstinence, and I would still have a slip every six months or so, and I couldn't figure it out. It's such a disease of sabotage. It, I was just something would trigger me, and I didn't feel like I felt like I was a sheep on the outside of the fold, the outside of the pack, and I felt like I was very vulnerable to the wolves. And I just wanted to focus on my recovery. And um, I felt like I didn't have a chance if I was still on the road. And I got cast in my last um, Broadway tour and actually playing a nun, ironically. And um, so uh, I got involved in a relationship that was not a healthy relationship at all. Again, looking for the human savior. 
And um, I just said, that's enough. I need to get in this. I need to focus on recovery. And I, um, I came back and I said, what's my favorite place? And I said, the gym. And so I became a personal trainer and went into corporate wellness and health and um, fitness and all of those things. And I became very addicted to looking perfect. And instead of focusing on my recovery, I became anorexic. I was 80 pounds. I, so I've, I've been a compulsive overeater at times. I've been a bulimic, and I've been anorexic. And to me, it's all the same disease. It's all the mental obsession combined with the physical allergy. And I was in such bad shape that I went to treatment there in New York City, and it didn't help me. I did some healing work, and that did help some, but not. It was still I was searching and searching for years trying to heal. And um, it just was felt like one onion peel after another. And I, um, I toured um, again, um, and that was it. And so um, I, I went to treatment one more time, and um, I felt like, oh, my gosh, we were weighing and measuring, and I didn't feel like I was getting the, the, the program enough and I didn't feel like any healing had happened, and I thought, I'm not ready to leave this. I'm just going to go back out and eat again, and that's what happened. And, um, you know, I was 80 pounds, saying if I could, I would look in the mirror and go, if I could just lose a couple more pounds. And I was so isolated. It's such a disease of isolation. And I feel like, for me, the isolation is that first step of going back to the disease, and it's so important. You know, we, it's a we program to me because we is you know wellness starts with we and illness starts with i and i know that i get to stay part of the we um i i was scheduled to be in the towers on september 11th for a big meeting and at the last minute the head of our company canceled the meeting and I worked in the grieving center afterwards, and I said to myself, look, I'd promised myself if I was ever brave enough, I'd buy a car and practice driving across America and move to Los Angeles. I'd always thought it was so beautiful here. And I didn't like the concrete jungle, and I love animals. I'm such a huge animal lover, and I'm such a huge nature lover, and I just thought I, if I'm ever brave enough. Because so, no one really drives in New York, most people. So I did that. I bought a car. I took a job in um, insurance, because that's what I found, um, before I moved, and I moved across the country. And I met my husband. We got married. I had a stepdaughter with two little dogs named Hope and Faith. I really believe in naming my dogs spiritual names, because then I get to go, come here, Hope, come here, Faith, all day, and it's really helpful um, to me. And um, and But I kept backburnering my self-care. I had a desk job. I'd sit all day, and I had been very active and very physical, and I would kept going, I'm going to get to me. I'll work out later, and later never came. And I would just, I had this huge list of this multitasking mom thing that I think a lot of us go through, and I just kept thinking, I know, I'm going, you know, I really need a trainer to wake me up in the morning, inspire me to wake up and work out and have a wonderful day. And I kept looking for something, and he had to say something different every day, or I'd say, you said that yesterday. And he had to do, you know, really inspiring things, and I couldn't find it. And so I really wanted it. And because I'm a creative, I invented it. So I invented this system, and it ended up having 150 hours 
of um, patented digital content with all these famous thought leaders. And meanwhile, I learned so many things from them, but I would still not stay abstinent. And I would just get like a slip every six months and go, what the heck? It was Russian roulette. And also, I was white knuckling. It wasn't like I had, you know, I was in a spiritually fit place. I was doing all these other things that helped me to grow spiritually, but it wasn't recovery with the food. It was just kind of shelving it. And um, my husband and I, after 11 years of marriage, got divorced. And I was on my knees every day. I, I have... I had my dog Faith, and Tom had uh, Hope, and um, I, Faith just, you know, literally got me through. And um, I, I was on my knees every morning, and for quite a bit of the day, asking God to take me home and put me in the choir. Every day I'd beg, and sometimes not even nicely, just like yelling, "Please take me home." I got so re-triggered about the abandonment, the isolation, the feeling like a failure, feeling so much shame and loss and grief. It just kicked in so much grief. I've met people who got divorced who said, oh, this is the best thing that happened. That was never my experience. My experience was, get me off the planet now. I cannot tolerate this. And instead of God doing that, somehow one day, I promise you, I don't even know how this happened. It felt like angels swooped in and helped me. I don't remember how this one day, it must have been somebody whispering in my ear, I said, hey, I wonder if there's any, you know, meetings around here. And if I'm going to have to stay on the planet, let's see what help I can get. And I found the phone meetings. And I went, what? There are phone meetings? And then I got on the, the line and I heard people say, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. It gives me God bumps today. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater? Oh, my gosh, I know the power of words from my, my first invention. I know the power of words. I know that your spirit hears everything you say. And I know it's so important what we say. And I kept thinking, these people are calling themselves recovered. Oh, my gosh, I want what they have. And I got a sponsor, and we went through the steps. And she, before she took me on, the only question she asked me was, are you desperate enough to go to any lengths to recover? And I said, yes, wholeheartedly. And now that's the only question I ask when I sponsor people. Are you desperate enough to go to any lengths to recover? And it's nothing weird. It's just, are you desperate enough to pick up the phone instead of the food? Are you desperate enough to work these steps? Are you desperate enough to sponsor other people and be of service to other people and reach out to other people? And be a blessing to God and to your fellows and to use your gifts, you know, for good and to, in this program, to give back what you've been so freely given. And so um, my answer was yes. And I went through the steps and I am, I admitted I was powerless over food and my life had become unmanageable. I think that's very clear. Um, you know, I couldn't see it. And when I first came into the program at Moravian Church, I was in so much shame and denial about being bulimic and anorexic that I told everyone and myself that I was there to lose five pounds. And as I stayed in the program, I started saying, oh my gosh, I was bulimic for decades. You know, I was 
like 21 when I came in. So not decades at that time, but I, then it was did become decades. It's like bulimic or anorexic or overeater, you know, but that's the disease of denial. And I couldn't tolerate the truth when I first came in. It was too much for me. I had to de-shame one day at a time. And so I, so she, then I came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. Wow, that's a miracle. And then made a decision to turn my will and my life over the care of God as we understood him. I love that. The care of God, not the abuse of God, not the negligence of God, not the trickery of God, not the ha, 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 we got you. The, the care of God. Wow. Then I made a searching and fearless moral inventory of myself. And searching and fearless. And to me, I had to surrender it to God. That's, that's the thing that I had to do. I had to really, literally, every time I do any writing like that or work like that that feels scary to me, I just write at the top of the page, Dear Lord, please write through me. Please heal me. And thank you, amen. You know, and just let God do it through me. And even speaking today, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, just get out of the way, Robin, and let God talk through you. And that was my experience on Broadway, too. I would just get on my knees and just say, Dear Lord, please sing blessedly, wonderfully, perfectly through me. Amen. And I would just feel like the light came in, you know. And that's, I believe that for me, you know, the, that I need to just be a vessel for peace and um, an instrument of service. And so... I admitted to God, to myself, and to another human being the exact nature of my wrongs. And I went through, you know, what was my part? Where had I been selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, resentful, or fearful? And shared, oh, what's my side of the street? And then um, I was entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. I don't want to be selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, resentful, or fearful. It only causes pain and grief to me and my fellows. And I humbly asked him to remove these shortcomings. I made a list of all persons I had harmed, and I became willing to make amends to them all. And I made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so when injure them or others. So if there was a case where it would cause more harm, I didn't do that. But I didn't do any of this alone. I did it with my sponsor. I did it with her guidance. And I, I really believe it's so important to let go of the yes buts and just say yes, you know, and just go with the flow of recovery, just show up to my own recovery. And step 10 is my hero step because before when things would come up, I didn't have a solution. Now I know, oh my gosh, I'm being selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, resentful, or fearful. And I'm usually, it takes me a little time to go, oh, I have a resentment. Like the, usually like by the third time that it's coming into my head, I go, you know what? That's a re Sent. It's coming again. You need to go work your 10-step on this. Like usually if it's the first time and if I give it to God and it's done, I'm good. But if it keeps coming back, that's a resentment. So uh, I get to just go and text my sponsor my 10-step and then give it to God and then go help someone else and get out of myself. And, you know, it works every time. If it doesn't work the first time, I get to do a couple more times. Sometimes they've come back up again. Uh, I've been going through some challenges where, I, that, you know, it's such a blessing for me to have a solution, an ongoing solution. 
you know, the blessing of going through one through nine so I can live in 10, 11, and 12. Wow. So sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Wow, that keeps it simple. You know, I, I'll tell you, I, I, that 11 step has been saving my life. So, and having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, I try to carry this message to others, to compulsive overeaters, and to practice these principles in all of my affairs. What a blessing to be able to practice these principles in all my affairs. Wow, I have a toolkit for life. I have steps to my recovery. That's such a blessing. You know, people, I know people with cancer, they would do anything on the planet to be able to work steps to heal them from cancer. And I just get to work these steps and heal from this addiction that kicked my ass. And I get to be happy, joyous, and free as I trudge the road of happy destiny with all you guys. And I get to be part of the we instead of the I, self, me, the ism, you know, and instead of the poor me, poor me, poor me a drink. You know, um, I have some old triggers that I get to keep working through so they don't take over my life again. You know, a victim thing comes up sometimes. You know, uh, another one that's come up for me is superwoman, you know, superhero. That's not of God when I'm playing God. You know, and I, I remember this woman that I met on the road um, when I was at meetings on the road, and she joked around calling herself Mrs. God because her husband had called her Mrs. God, and, you know, she said she resigned from being Mrs. God. And, and I think that's a really important thing to do, that I just get to use my gifts for good, but not to save the planet. Um, so I was on my knees and I got in recovery and God just blessed me with on Christmas Eve a year and a half ago. So I've been absent in almost three years now by God's grace and mercy. And a year and a half ago, um, my ex-husband invited me. to church with him for Christmas Eve. And I got there and I thought, okay, I'll just show up. And I showed up and God said, Merry Christmas. This is my gift to both of you. And I said, huh? And God had to say it again. And God said it three times because I was so incredulous. And uh, when I said that to Tom, he, he, he went, hmm. And we started dating and now we live together happily. And he got into an, another fellowship, and he's working his program. I'm working my program, and it's a miracle. And we still get to work through the things that we had to work through. It's like, you know, sometimes you, there's mercy and grace here, and we also get to heal some things, and we're doing it. And I look at him, I wake up in the morning, and he's next to me, and I go, oh, my gosh, thank you, God. My dog, Faith, who for 12 years was one of my best friends, I, I'm very animal-oriented. Um, I've, I've read books and, um, you know, about how much language they have, and, you know, um, I know we won't say outside literature here, so I won't tell you what they are, but there's a lot of research out there about, you know, how much 
and I felt a lot of communication going. And um, uh, she, when Tom and I got back together, uh, she passed away due to vet error. And I was just lost, you know, but I had the program and I worked the program. I worked the resentment, my 10th step about my resentment about the vet. And I worked my program and, you know, I feel her with me sometimes. And, um, you know, I, I will always love her. And, you know, I know she's a dog, but to me, She's one of my hero angels. You know, and I always say that dogs are angels with fur. And uh, I feel like, you know, now she really is an angel. Um, so, you know, um, I wanted to say that, you know, I, wow. So, <laughs> oh, my gosh. So um, I became a vegan as a result of my love for my animals and uh, just, some research about how much communication they have and everything. And it's really important to me and, uh, you know, the, the animal factories and stuff. I'm just very much adamant. I'm not, you know, I sponsor people who eat meat and I'm fine with it. I, I don't take food um, from people, you know, um, and I am on a, a food plan, but not like I don't weigh and measure all the time, but I know what my boundaries are. And um, I worked with a nutritionist actually just to get cleaner and we just went through a move, uh, and things feel discombobulated, but my recovery roots me and grounds me. And um, uh, I also um, have gone through a lot with EMF, electronic, um, I'm sure you guys know what it is, but it's uh, electronic, uh, oh wow, I'm, that is so bizarre that I'm blanking on what it is, that's just odd. Um, so EMF, um, electromagnetic radiation and field radiation, and I've just been, I'm one of those sensitive people. I'm very sensitive spiritually, and I'm very sensitive, it turns out, environmentally. And wow, it's been a challenge for me. And now they're going to 5G, which is even, you know, really intense. And I, the, the Wi-Fi stuff, and we just moved to an apartment in uh, Thousand Oaks, California, and there's so much intense Wi-Fi around us, even though I ground and I don't use Wi-Fi um, because I start getting really bad symptoms of brain fog and um, bumps on my body. And just I'm very sensitive. It feels like my skin is burning. It's really painful. And um, it turns out I am not alone. They're doing – I felt like a freak. And, like, what's wrong with me? That whole feeling about, why am I different? What's wrong with me? And I just, there's a whole conference going on with all these top doctors online all week long. And, and it turns out there's so many people like me, so many times when I've thought, I'm, what's wrong with me? I'm the only one with this, whatever it is. It turns out, no, I'm not. And I get to stay abstinent through it and find the solutions and see what we can do and we're looking to see if we can afford a, a single-family home. It's really expensive here, uh, so we're just taking it a day at a time. Um, but we're also seeing if they're, you know, trying different inventions that people have done and see what helps. Um, I hear zzz all day long, and it's very painful for me uh, when I'm in this environment with all this Wi-Fi around, and I just get to stay abstinent, keep surrendering it to God like everything, everything in all my affairs. Not everything except for EMF. And God, why are you letting EMF happen? You know, 
God gave people free will, and then we just get to do the best we can to thrive. Um, the other thing that happened when I was on my knees praying, asking God to put me in the choir in heaven, um, instead I got whisked away. I got invited to this island of island home of a very famous uh, entrepreneur, uh, owner of 300 companies, and he loved my newest invention, and um, I had all these miracles and blessings, and uh, I only invent things that I need myself, and then they help other people, which I'm really grateful for. And this one has kicked my tush with manufacturing. I've had a lot of manufacturing issues with China and and U.S. manufacturers, and I've had to learn a lot about how to deal with this as a, you know, five-foot, you know, 100-pound woman with these big men who aren't used to dealing with women in this space at all, um, and, um, it, and hardware. Um, it's a fitness product, and it's just been really, like, excruciating at times, and so many lessons about you know, that still thing about not isolating, like, oh, good, you handle the manufacturing. I'm going to take care of all these other things of the company. I get to collaborate. I get to participate. I get to work my program with these people. And how can I help you to help me? And, um, you know, we sold out of the first run, and then the second run's just been really, really, really intense with manufacturers to the point where I've you know, really been praying, dear God, if you want me to let this go and go get a job, please let me know. And every time that I think, oh, okay, I'm going to go get a good, easy sales job, you know, like just, you know, I like sales. And, and so, and I won't, and there'll be infrastructure there. I won't have to do so many things. And, and then I get another investment in, it just happened again yesterday. And so it's like, okay, just one day at a time. I feel like life sometimes is like, you know, I call this business by Braille. It's like one day at a time, feeling my way through. Dear Lord, please show me what to do. Help me to do it. Show me knowledge of your will and the power to carry that out, the faith walk. You know, and, um, you know, um, I feel like this whole thing is a faith walk. So I can grow, and I can grow closer to God, and I get to grow up. And when I have fear and resentment, I have a solution for that. When I'm selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, resentful, or fearful, I have the tools now, and I have the fellowship, and I love that it's a fellowship. I feel like I was drowning out there by myself, and now I'm on this boat with all these people, and we're on the fellowship, and I love that. And, um, you know, it's funny. Somebody in the program asked me if I would sing. And um, I wrote and recorded a recovery album and toured the country sharing my story years ago um, in between shows. And I've never done this before, uh, ever, in a qualification. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do it. (laughs) I'll do it. And we'll see how it goes. So I wrote this song about my gratitude for recovery. It's called In These Rooms. And I hope that you are blessed by it. I believe that music can be very healing. So I hope this is healing for you. In these rooms I've watched compassion Turn a child into a man Turn cowards into heroes Who laugh and sing again In these rooms I've watched the broken Become whole and walk again And all the lonely people 
fill our hearts with friends. In these rooms I found my heaven. In these rooms my share of peace. Here I met the hand of mercy who raised me from my knees. In these rooms I found a power who is greater than my own, who turns tragedy to triumph and gives the lost a home. In these rooms I found my heaven, in these rooms my share of peace. Here I met the hand of mercy who raised me from my knees. There is a safe place, a haven you can run to. There is a home where you are free. Just follow me into these rooms where I found my heaven. In these rooms, my share of peace. Here I met the hand of mercy who raised me from my knees. In these rooms I found salvation. In these rooms my peace of sky. Here I stand among the living when alone I stood to die. Thank you for these rooms. These God bless all of you and your recovery. Thanks so much. I pass. Thank you, Robin P., for your remarkable and inspiring story of transformation today. Such a gift to all of us. Of course, this transformation is a result of the 12 steps and a spiritual awakening sufficient to bring about recovery. Thank you, Robin. Today's Share ID number 11,949. That's 11949 for today. Robin P.'s contact information will be offered at the conclusion of the recording, so stay tuned for that. We're going to now transition to question and answer segment, and you can pose a question by first identifying yourself. Press star 1 to unmute. Give us your name, your first letter of your last name, please. Gina R. Gina R. <laughs> Jody EQ. Jody. Brenda J. Brenda J. Okay, let's start with this trilogy. Everybody mute except for Gina R. and Robin P. Go ahead, Gina. Hi, Leah. Thank you so much. Uh, This is Gina R., gratefully recovered from the seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, and I live in Green Valley, Arizona. Wow. Um, I wasn't close enough to my Kleenex box. Um, Robin, thank you so much for not only listening to that nudge, but allowing it to uh, pour through with that song. That was amazing. Um, I'm interested in if if there are other aspects of parts of you that are being revealed. Um, I love that you talk about uh, the piece of you that's an inventor. So, you know, it's not just that we 
you know, have these quote unquote crazy ideas, but there was something about you and about how you were connecting with your higher power that allowed you to actually follow through on that. And that's something that I believe can happen for anybody, but especially for me, I'm, I'm in a space where I'm, you know, things just keep coming up and I keep thinking, okay, I need to do it. I just need to do it. And so I don't know if that makes sense as a question, but if you could address that, that would be great. Yes. Oh, wow. I totally understand. So with my first invention and and this one, I feel like if I didn't have the program, I I would have just fallen and just especially this one, um, you know, making something that's hardware. It's funny. It's called hardware because I feel like it's really hard, um, you know, and what I've learned is that I have to put my recovery first in all my affairs, no matter what. And and if that if I start feeling like I'm a sacrificial lamb and it's helping all these other people, then I need to make sure that I'm getting more help and more support. And I've had to really practice these principles in all my affairs because I've I my tendency has been anytime I felt like I wasn't perfect, I would hide in shame and go try to sit in the corner and figure it out myself and then go, da da, I did it. I fixed it. And instead what I've learned in recovery is I get to go and ask for help, and I get to go and say, you know, I've really been struggling with the manufacturing. I need to raise more capital. I need this. I need that. And it's what I've been learning in the program. And and just, like, give the shame to God. I'm not supposed to be perfect. I'm not supposed to be superhero, and I'm not supposed to play super, like, um, sacrificial lamb. I'm supposed to make sure that I'm putting my recovery first and then letting God use me and my gifts for good to be a blessing and in that order instead of like let me go use my gifts for good and play superwoman and then oh yeah my recovery no and so that's been my uh I don't know if that helps at all but I feel like to me it's so important that I use my gifts for good but also that I'm humble and obedient about it and that I get help and guidance and um not do anything alone you know, anymore. I feel like that's the miracle. Not only it doesn't work, and I'm not supposed to. And it takes my courage to show up. I, I, people always think I'm such a friendly person. I am a friendly person, and I love people. But before an event or before something about showing up, I have to really pray and turn it over and God help me get out the door. And then I'm fine when I get there. But so I feel like if I just keep relying on Him. And this program, I'll, whatever's meant to be gets to happen, and I get to be grateful for that. And I don't know if that's the answer to what you're looking for. If if it wasn't, just ask me again a different way, maybe. I hope that was it. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Gina R. Jody EQ. Thank you, Leah. Good morning, everybody. This is Jody EQ. Thank you so much, Robin. I have two questions. Um, the first one is about step nine. How uh, how did fig- step nine figure into your recovery process, and how big of a step was it for you? And the second question is, are you going to be at the LA birthday party to perform for us? That would be awesome. Oh, thank you. I would well. I'll answer the second question first. I would love to sing if if people want me to and. However that works, just, you know, let me know, and I would love to. So 
Um, I always love uh, using my gifts for good in whatever way that's meant to be. So, um, so uh, with step nine, so I went through the steps the first time um, when I first came in the rooms, and there was a lot there about the child abuse and a lot there about my parents and family stuff, and I, you know, really dealt with that then. So I felt like when I did the steps this time that it didn't feel like it was there anymore. Thank God. It just showed me how much it really worked because I didn't have those uh, resentments or fears. And I actually have a good relationship with my family, and that's a result of this program. And, you know, I I feel like I've forgiven them and forgiven all the things that so it's so generational they did the best they could based on the way they were raised you know and so and then their parents and their grandparents and their you know so it's I get to break those chains but um I really forgave and what I saw was even though I forgave because I recently did the steps again is that I needed to forgive myself and I hadn't ever really done that and um forgiving myself for looking for a hero savior, you know, like someone, a human who's going to save me and um, take care of me instead of God, you know, like, hey, hey, you're my God in human form. Uh, So I got to heal that part. Um, So with step nine, I feel like um, it's been such a blessing because it's freed up. It's such an important step. It's freed up so many relationships and made all the yuck go away and all the I don't have to cross the street. Um, That's such a blessing. If I see anybody, I can't really think of anybody where if I saw them, I would cross the street, Um, which is wonderful. And so it's, I feel like it's really, really, really important. And you just keep focused on mine. And if they, if I did a ninth step with someone and they went, get out of here, it doesn't matter because it, all that matters is that I cleaned up my side of the street. It's not their side of the street that I'm there for. It's mine. And if they say, oh, thank you so much. I'm so grateful. This must have taken a lot of courage to do this. You know what? That's awesome. But it, it honestly doesn't matter. It just matters that I know that I cleaned out some more manure off of my soul, you know, just cleaned off whatever stuff was on my heart so that I get to shine more for God and, and be an instrument of peace. I hope that helps. So you did go to each person and face to face and didn't. yes, okay. whenever I could do face to face. If I couldn't go face to face, then I would, you know, do a phone call. If I if I couldn't, so um, my stepfather um, had died, and he was on my list. And I went into a church and I wrote him a letter, and I left it there. And I know he got it. Great. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, Jody. That's Jody EQ. Brenda T. Your turn. Good morning. Uh Robin, I just uh thank you for that song. My um I'm Brenda J. I'm from Michigan and I'm in the beginning part of my program. And uh you talked about being bulimic and I just wondered uh, what kind of steps did you take to get away from that and anorexia? Oh, thank you. You know, it's. I think it, it can be more challenging because it, I think there's an addiction part about the bulimia and the anorexia. You get high from it. Uh, and 
I think that that's a real challenge. Um, for the anorexia, I actually um, had a really hard time believing that it was safe to eat. And I remember, um, you might somebody might want to mute for a minute. Um, a lot of background noise. Um, so I felt really terrified of eating any food, and I had to disbelieve the disease voice in my head, and I had to just trust that these people who are trying to save my life were telling me the truth. And so it was really a process. Um, that was I, I didn't go back to anorexia, thank God, when I would have those bulimic slips every few months. Um, I, after, you know, uh, before I came into the rooms again, but I, I remember uh, when, when I was a personal trainer and I got so anorexic, it literally took people who loved me feeding me, bringing me food and sitting with me while I ate and being there. It's like literally like they were like angel people and, you know, just helping me to believe that that this was possible and that I could heal and because the disease just takes over and it, it's it's such an important thing to believe in a power greater than yourself through other people you know I believe so I'm a Christian even though this is a spiritual program not a religious program and I I look at the cross and I think oh my gosh if I'm only connected to God that's just a vertical line and if I'm only connected to other people and I have my arms out that's only a horizontal line I need to have my connection to God and to other people, so it's the, the cross for me. And so uh, that's my metaphor that I use in my life. I get to stay connected to God and to other people. And, and so I get to just trust in the people who are trying to help me and not do the yes buts. Because if I know more than my sponsor, that's a problem. <laughs> you know? So uh, I just get to, you know, that's the gift of desperation. Are you willing to go to any lengths to recover, to pick up the phone, to get to a meeting, to do service, to do anything you can to not pick up? What, is the, what are the things you need to do to not pick up? And you can break those chains because addiction's addiction. And food addiction is food addiction. And compulsive overeating and bulimia and anorexia, I believe they're all the same. I think there is an added part about the, the high that people sometimes, I believe, get from the anorexia or the bulimia, and, but it doesn't matter. It's, you know, heroin addicts get recovered. You know, cocaine addicts get recovered. It's about, am I desperate enough to go to any lengths to recover? So I hope that helps. Thank you, Brenda T. Questions with our speaker, Robin P., if you'd like to pose a question. Star 1 to unmute. Give us your first name and first letter of your last name. Hi, I'm Stephanie T. Stephanie T. Jan B. Jan B. Jan Hi, S. I'm Amy S. Amy S. S. Jenny S. Got it. Jenny, thanks for hanging in there with me. Jenny S. Who else? Elsie S. Elsie S. Miriam Riska H. Miriam Riska H. This will be our final invitation for questions. 
Thus far, I have Stephanie T, Jan B, Jenny S, Elsie S, Miriam, Rivka H. Anyone else? And yes, Amy S. Amy, thank you. Sorry. I realize I overlooked you. Okay. Thanks. Everybody mute, please, except for Stephanie T. Stephanie, star one to unmute to pose your question. Yeah, hi. Somehow I got accidentally muted. Um, hi, I'm Stephanie T. Um, in this program, one day at a time. Um, I guess the question for me is, um, I had a connection with God, and I feel like I've lost my connection with God. Um, I mean, I live with, I live with um, my family members, and uh, I'm trying not to start no trouble, trying not to yell, scream, or anything else. Maybe do the tools of the program, but I feel it makes me feel so angry and everything else. And my new sponsor told me I need to start doing the steps. Um, I guess um, the question is, uh, well, I mean, uh, I mean, there is no question. I mean, I have to do whatever, whatever it takes. But um, how do I not give my power away? That would be the question. Or better yet, it's probably not my power. It's communicating with God or, you know, how to keep on listening to God when there's the voice of the disease that says, listen to the disease people in my life. With that, pass. You know, that's such a great question. And I feel like, um, wow, that's such a great question. Um, so to me, it's this program is such a bridge to God. And through those steps, like I, as a, you know, atheist, I never would have been open to a spiritual awakening uh, without first having gone through these steps. You know, um, I feel like this was my bridge to God. And so to me, the steps are my way to get a relationship going. Um, just, you know, thoroughly working these steps, it, it leads to a relationship with, with your higher power. In my opinion, that's what I've experienced. And then if, you know, after I've worked the steps, if there are still outside issues that seem like there's, you know, you know, addiction going on or things like that, there, there's help in other programs for that um, so that, you know, you can detach with love more. Um, but I believe wholeheartedly that it's the steps, going through the steps change everything. And, and that's what I would, they literally are the steps to happy destiny, in my opinion, uh, and my experience. I mean, I do have such a miraculous life and it's because of working the steps and working the program and being of service. And I can't keep what I don't give away, so I also know how important and valuable um, service is also. I wanted to make sure I said that. Thank you. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thanks, Stephanie T. Jan B, star one to unmute. Hi, this is Jan B from the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. Can I be heard? Yes. Go ahead with your question. Okay. Um, you had mentioned about losing your precious pet to veterinarian error and working through the steps with that. I'm going through a, a similar situation, and I would like to hear more about your experience, please. 
Absolutely. Oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Um, God bless you. Well, so um, I I literally did 10 steps uh, several times uh, about it um, as more information came out and um, and talked to my sponsor about it, uh, who was so there for me. And, uh, you know, I just kept doing my, my sending her 10 steps and sharing about it. And, uh, you know, some, most of the time when I do a 10 step, it, it, you know, good, done, yay, move on, done. Uh, with faith, uh, the last, when faith passed, um, I, I probably did four, um, 10 steps, like just different times, things would come up, new information, and I would just feel bereft. And some, you know, it was just grief. You know, and um, just uh, having to deal with the loss, and and it's so funny. I became that person I used to make fun of. You know, I'd be like, "How do you love your pet that much?" Well, now I know, and um, you know, so uh, I just think that it's just like everything else in life. You know, accepting life on life's terms. This is life, and you know, birth and death. That's part of the deal here on this planet. That's the way it is. Everyone's going to do both who are here. And so I just get to accept and trust God that God has a plan. And sometimes it looks so like, what? Where are you? God, hey. And you know what? When I look back six months later, a year later, I just go, it was part of the plan. And I just get to accept God's will for me. You know, acceptance is the answer to all my problems today, and I get to work the steps so that I can get to acceptance. You know, I don't usually start out with acceptance when it's something um, so grief-oriented like that. Thank you, Jan B., for the question. Ginny S., your turn. Thank you, Layla, and thank you, Robin, for sharing your story with us. And I think I have... um, two questions and the first one is can you talk about having a sponsor or working with a sponsor after you have completed the 12 steps Um, do you still have a sponsor and have you continued to work with that sponsor and then the other question is you mentioned going through the 12 steps again and can you talk a little bit about why you did that thank you thank you yes so um, so after I believe in it's a, it's I believe that we we all get to have this is my belief that I've been taught um that it's you know not to sponsor without having a sponsor you know that it's that generational like you know my sponsor has a sponsor I have a sponsor my sponsees have a sponsor you know it's uh I you can't give away what you don't have so I believe that it's really important to stay connected um to sponsors and so um, after I worked the 12 steps, ironically, um, my first sponsor went, she left the program, and um, I had to get another sponsor. And I, I, I just listened for somebody on these phone lines, and I just, it just sounded nice and like a nice person. I was, you know, I felt like, oh, please, God. And I got blessed with this wonderful sponsor. Uh, just, she's been such a miracle person for me, such an angel person, and um, she also works another program, which is really helpful, um, and to um, to get some perspective about relationship stuff. And I, I'm just blessed. I um, 
And if, God forbid, she, you know, she moved out of the country and couldn't sponsor or whatever, you know, um, I would just pray again and ask God to lead me to the next sponsor, you know. So uh, one day at a time, um, I'm eternally grateful for her. Um, and the reason I worked the 12 steps again recently was I found that I um, w- needed more support uh, regarding my um, – I did it – I went through the steps about – uh, my company and uh, my invention and really getting clear about, you know, getting God's will for me. And what, you know, I felt like I had made some mistakes, of course, and I was afraid of making any more. And that's not the way life is. So uh, it's when we were wrong in step 10, not if someday once in a blue moon. So uh, I felt like I needed to really get clear and I worked the steps again and I'm also in another program um, dealing with money and uh, earning stuff so um, I looked at some things in there as well so um, I, I just believe to that it's such an important thing for me to work this program in all my affairs thank you thank you thanks Jenny LCS your turn star one time mute Hi, um, this it's actually Chelsea. Chelsea F. Oh, thanks for the correction. Go ahead. Um, no problem. I'm a compulsive reader. Um, thank you so much for your story. I identified so much. I was having you know six months and flipping, but the question that um, I was thinking about nobody's ever talked about the thing with like EMFs and being super sensitive. Um, and I just wanted to ask because that's come up for me, and I feel like I'm a freak, and I'm crazy and nobody gets it um just in terms of like being on the phone all the time and I love these phone meetings but sometimes like I just have such a headache and cannot like do not want to just work this program on the phone all the time because it physically affects me so I just wanted to know if you experience that or how you deal with that um and then also just with caffeine being really sensitive if you don't do that either thanks thank you thank you chelsea and if you want to get my number we can talk offline about it i i felt like such a freaking i'm so grateful there's like a bunch of people dealing with this right now and with 5g coming it's going to even be more intense so you're not alone yeah Um, and just to interject perhaps this is a topic that would be best discussed offline yes absolutely How about that robin what do you think Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. One quick thing I was just going to say was for people who have that issue, um, a landline works really well. That's what I've been using. So thank you. Just wanted to Okay, that. thanks. Perfect. Thank you for your understanding. Okay, Chelsea, thank you very much. Miriam Rifka H., your turn. Star one to unmute. Hi, it's Mary Murska. Can you hear me? I hear you well. Okay, perfect. Thanks so much. Thank you, Robin. I really, really appreciated your talk. Um, what my question was on the following. I know you mentioned about um, losing that connection with higher power, you know, slowly and steadily because of whatever, you know, different matters were coming up um, during the course of your talk that you were discussing and how picking up the food is the last step in that and 
I just personally, I feel like I am on that road. Like I'm going through something and it's hard and I feel like I'm not as connected with higher power and I've been struggling and making, you know, a million 10 step calls of that. And I just don't seem to be able to get over it. And I'm frightened about going down that road. What would you say to that? That's my question. Mm. So that's such a great question. So I, this is what I've discovered that I just get to keep praying for solution, like show me the solution, because sometimes I get so caught up in the problem that I think that's the reality and that's the way it is, and I get almost like uh, stuck in the resentment. So it's like um, instead of like what's the solution, just go right to the solution. Like if there was a solution, what is it? And so um, that's been helpful for me, like just doing the 10 steps, reaching out to people, and patience, you know, patience, love, tolerance, and kindness. And, um, you know, if you want to call me offline and if I have any suggestions for you specifically, I'd be happy to share them with you. I've been through that. I've, I am through that, you know, been going through that with my company. And I feel like sometimes this is just about willing to accept life on life's terms and then go to solution through the steps, you know, um, 10, 11, 12, 10, 11, 12, 10, 11, 12, and also just getting out of myself. Sometimes, you know, so what I've learned is that joy is the antidote for so many issues. And if I can do what makes me joyous, like go dance, go help someone, go, you know, do whatever God wants me to do that makes me in a positive place, uh, it really can shift stuff too. So, um, just looking, I always think of angels, you know, that they, you know, it's so much easier to have a higher perspective and a lighter perspective if I, you know, in, just enlighten up and then not be so in the middle of it. If I just give myself something like the meetings and, and service and dancing and whatever makes me happy, it just takes the load off and gives me a better perspective. Uh, meditation also helps me too, which is actually part of step 11. So if that helps. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Miriam Rifka H. Amy S., your turn. Amy S. Star one to unmute. I'll give her one more oh, shout out. Hi, hi, can you hear me? Yes, there you are. I'm sorry. Go ahead with your question, Amy. I'm I'm sorry. I'm new to this program. Um, sure. And I'm looking for a sponsor. Um, I have bulimia, and so how do I go about doing that on the phone lines? Is Am I allowed to give my phone number out for people to call me? Yes. And yeah. I, Leah, do you want to handle that? Sorry. Thank you so much. Yes, welcome, welcome to the line, and uh, please stay tuned at the conclusion of the meeting. Uh, after the recording, I will give information on all of that so welcome okay welcome yes okay okay thank you 
Definitely. Thank you for everybody for sharing. I We're appreciate glad it. you're here. Glad you're okay. here. Can I just do, quickly respond to that? That this, I am so grateful for a vision for you. I just really hope that's okay to say. I, you know, um, because oh my gosh, this is like it's such a blessing to be on these meetings. It's like a well-run company. I always think like you guys. It's such a blessing. I have God bumps saying this. The service that you guys give is outstanding and I always feel like oh this meeting's going to run really well because it always does because it's such a well the infrastructure is fantastic and you know you just look at this and just go oh my gosh what you guys have done you know what you and Mel and um God bless you mightily you know I think of all the thousands and thousands of lives that you've changed it's so powerful um, to me, and I, I get on these meetings, and there's such Holy Spirit, such joy, such um, gratitude, such recovery, that it's so transformative. And I hope that you know in your heart, especially, you know, I know that you and Mel, you know, started this, how many lives you've changed. And you know, I would love you to, to you know, just know in your hearts what a difference you've made for so many thousands of people. If you ever have a rough day, you know, just give me a call and I'll I'll remind you. So God bless you and thank you. Thank you, Robin P., for those kind words. And truly, thank you for sharing your story of transformation with all of us today as a result of the 12 steps. And sharing your experience, strength, and hope. Powerful story. Powerful recovery. Let's close from page 164. You'll find it in a chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.